You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. Everybody, welcome back to the Ducks on the Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Jennings. I'm your host, Dr. Mike Brazier. My name is John Gordon. I'll be your host. And I'm your host, Katie Burke. Welcome to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast, the only podcast about all things waterfowl. From hunting insights to science-based discussions about ducks, geese, and issues affecting waterfowl and wetlands conservation in North America. The DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina Pro Plan, always advancing. Hello, everybody. Welcome again to another special edition of the Ducks Unlimited podcast. Joining me today is a repeat guest. He's been on before. In the waterfowling world, this guest really needs no introduction. If you you know anything about duck calls, goose calls, competitive calling, our guest today has been one of the the top people in those fields for many, many years. He's three-time world duck calling champion and champion of champions. Uh, Welcome, John Stevens, to the DU Podcast. Hey, thank you. I appreciate y'all having me on. Man, thanks so much for joining us, John. And uh, thanks again so much for, for hosting us at Callapalooza and doing some filming with us for our DU Nation series. Um, you know, I mean, I know I can speak for both, you know, for Katie and Zach that we had a tremendous time there. Well, great. I was glad that y'all came. And uh, this week, we're kind of taking it easy after last week. <laughs> that, <laughs> I'll bet. That Callapalooza, yeah, we put, a, we put a lot of work into that, our staff. And uh, so that's, that's good to hear that you guys enjoyed it because uh, even though it's our fifth year, you know, that's always something that, that we almost say worry about. But we just, we try to improve it every year. And we hope that, you know, everybody enjoys it as much as we enjoy putting it together. Yeah, it, it you know, if you, if you like duck calls or just, you know, the duck hunting world in general, I mean, it's it's really a first class event. Y'all y'all do a really fine job, uh, I think, of making everybody feel you know, welcome and uh, that they're a part of it. Yeah, well, that's something. I mean, we we focus on, so that's always good to hear. Yeah, yeah, and folks out there, what we're talking about is is John's uh, and Rich and Tone's uh, big calling event is Callapalooza, and that's a play on the uh, Lollapalooza music festival name. And it it's really a, a several day event that celebrates calls. I mean, any, any other way to put that, John? No, I, I mean you're you're right. We call it um, celebrating the art of call making. But we put it together, I think, five years ago when we first opened back our shop in 2019. Um, after a fire that we had in 2016, uh, it took us three years to get get back on our feet and reopen. But we were trying to think of a way instead of just having a grand opening to um, you know invite other call makers in because something we actually talked about before we had the fire. But just having a festival where we had you know other call makers set up here at our place, um, they could cha- exchange ideas and uh, call collectors could come and do the same. And really, it was just for this time of year to have a place for call makers and collectors together share information, uh, trade ideas, and 
and also uh, just help promote you know that craft and and not just amongst us but hopefully get new collectors in and um, people that are interested in collecting or call making can come to this event and and, and you know hopefully get something out of it and get in, interested in it when John's talking about collectors I, I had really had no idea that there were people out there who were so uh, what's the best word to use I mean just obsessed maybe with collecting calls. I, there, there were guys I got to talk to there who had thousands in their collections. And, and, you know, as somebody who's been a duck hunter for a long, long time, um, you know, I've got a little collection that just kind of gathered over the years of different stuff that I, I tried out in the field and everything else. But these people are really serious. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's neat. There's all different, just like any other hobby, I guess. There's all different aspects that you can collect. You can collect older calls. Um, you can collect, you know, stuff that's being made now. Um, you can even break that down in even even into other categories. Of I've, I've collected calls since I was eight years old, and I don't really collect anything but older calls. Um, and I say older, um, prior to 1960. That's kind of my own, I guess, self-set guided guidelines for collecting, but um. Man, it's, it's fun. It really is. Like I said, there's, there's such a big history and tradition in call making that, um, especially in our area, just in Stuttgart and Arkansas in general, um, um, you know, Tennessee, Missouri, Illinois, Louisiana, there's a lot of great states that have a rich history from call makers. And um, just that's really, you know, how I got into kind of, I guess, got into duck hunting first at an early age. Then it was um, uh, competition calling. And man, by 10, 11 years old, I had relatives giving me old calls that they had and their families because I was interested in, in participating in calling contests. So um, definitely the collecting part's been a big part of my life as much as actual duck hunting, I guess. Yeah, it, it, uh, duck hunting is great because of you know, there's a whole another part of it that's, that's around the gear, right, that you need to go. Right, I mean, the right. calls and the decoys and the dogs and the guns and everything, uh, you can, you know— really get into collecting all of them. I guess I've collected some dogs over the years too. It seems like, you know, I'll, I'm down to one at the time at this time, but I usually have three or four. So it's, uh, it's easy enough for me to, to go off in that direction too. Uh, and folks, if, if you aren't familiar with the Jay Stevens line of calls, uh, that's John's custom line. Uh, you should go to rntcalls.com and check it out. It, it, you're talking about some, and, and I, I was looking at the site, John, and I really like some of the real foot style stuff you come up with. Well, there, you know, all the calls that I have actually in the Jay Stevens line, um, I, I have them online. I need to take them off the website or just have them as examples because uh, honestly, I'm not real productive. <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I don't make a lot of that, a lot of those. Um, spend most of my time, probably 85 percent of my time on RNT stuff, uh, working with it. But that was just something that again. Uh, through call collecting and uh, competition calling, going over to Butch Richenbach's shop is at an early age. I was just fascinated with watching him turn calls on a lathe. So um, that's something that I'd always have always wanted to do and always loved to do was make calls by hand. And I've, I've done it since I was a kid at his shop in my garage. And I just never officially had a brand, you know, or a, a I guess a set design. I just piddled with stuff, and even when I had R and T, I did that. And so, um, kind of like what Butch did, he he learned from Chick Majors from Stuttgart, and he never made his own call until Chick Majors passed away. And um, in 2015, Butch had passed away, and it just seemed like you know the time to kind of start making stuff. So um, it's it's kind of come full circle. We we purchased Angie and I purchased Rich and Tone when Butch started having 
heart problems and um, needed a transplant and stuff. And we kind of went in went in a reverse order instead of making stuff by hand and growing. We had to figure out right off the bat how to pay for some debt and, and, and make some money. And so that's where now, you know, we make a lot of the calls on CNC machine. Actually, Butch was just starting to do CNC machine stuff before we purchased that. So, um, you know, now that Rich and Tones, we've owned it for over 20 years and it's you know, been going for a while and established. I can kind of do Jay Stevens. I don't want to say on the side, but as as I like to. Um, and it's, it gives a neat aspect to our shop because you can come in and tour and see how modern day calls are made. And then, um, I kind of make calls. Uh, they're all by hand, but kind of an older way, and they kind of have a vintage influence. They don't really look like calls today. So um, that's something that I try to do with not just my calls, but everything. Uh, in our retail front is anything we can do to promote uh, the history of duck calls. That's, that's kind of been our aim for, I guess the flying duck, which is um, our, what we call our retail front and tap room. Yeah. You know, and we talked about this, John, that sometimes there's, there's some real blessings inside something that looks, you know, really on the outside, like a tragedy in the fire that happened at Rich and Tone and that how now it's been transformed into a real destination in the Stuttgart area. And I would encourage anybody, you know, if you're, if you're, if you're going to be in Stuttgart this season or in the future to go by Rich and Tone and, and check out the tap room, the food truck, I tell you, which has got one of the best chicken sandwiches I've ever had in my life coming out of that food truck out there and uh, have a beer, look at some coffee. Calls by a call, you know. I mean, you've got it all going on right there at the shop. Yeah, and you know that was. Uh, it's kind of funny, is when, like you said, it's never, it's never a good thing when you have a fire at, by any means. But it allowed us to step back, and you know, sometimes you kind of get in a rut doing the same thing every day. And we thought, you know, nothing says we have to build this back like we had it. So we all just kind of gathered and started getting together and spitballing ideas of what if we could do this or do that. What would we change? What what could we add? And at first, we we wanted to have like a duck calling museum, um, and we just couldn't really make that happen with our budget the way we wanted to do it. So um, we we started thinking of other ideas. Definitely wanted to expand our retail front and um, have an area where you could work with people with calls. I wanted to have some like some custom engraving areas and some other things that would you could kind of make your call more custom when you came to visit us. Uh, but the the real I guess unique idea I thought right off the bat was uh, craft beer, and we were we were just trying to think you know of different things that were say handcrafted or something, and it just seemed like at the time craft beer fit in really good with some of the things we were offering. So uh, we went to Little Rock and. You know, visited some of the breweries there, and we landed with uh, Flyways, the one that we really liked, and uh, we kind of partnered up with them. And um, so now we we have a tap room in our shop, and we also still do have a vintage call collection that uh, rotates every year. So we were kind of able to do a little bit of the museum, even though it's not a real museum. It's a display of calls. It's over, I think it's like maybe 170 calls. And like I said, we we rotate that out every year. But uh, yeah, the craft beer thing's been a real big hit. It's it's brought people in and it's allowed us to expose them to the history, you know, of duck calls and, and the craft without just really shoving it down their throat. You know, they can come in, uh, get a beer. Some of our beers are made after call makers a lot of our coasters have different uh, duck calls and little facts about duck calls on it we've got uh pint glasses that have different call makers and dates on them so we try to everything we do we try to incorporate something that has to do with the history of call making without just you know like i said shoving it in somebody's face it's just kind of little hints of it here and there 
Yeah, it's a very cool experience. You know, like I said, look at the at, at the collection of calls y'all have and everything. And uh, yeah, the, I think the Flyway beer selection was pretty cool. You know, you've got names like Pintail and Blue Wing and stuff like that. On the, you know, if you're a duck hunter, it, it's a it's a pretty cool selection. Yeah, we've also um, we just added not long ago a over the bar. Sometimes it's kind of hard to see, but we've um, tried to mount a, a drake and a hen of every species that's in our Flyway, and we've started adding some more. So. Because uh, we have a lot of people when they come to Stuttgart duck hunting, you know, they know a duck's a duck, but they didn't know there was this many different types. So we've kind of got a little legend or map that you can look at and uh, to be able to identify all the ducks. So it gives you something else to do while you're just, <clears throat> that's been a nice addition. It's been kind of a struggle to, to keep it going uh, just because we're in a small area and having people to work. But during duck season, it was great. And it really added to make our place kind of a after the hunt destination. Um, if we're not a, a late night place, we close at uh, seven o'clock. So uh, we have a lot of people in during the day visiting, catching up with duck hunters, uh, have it waiting on custom calls uh, and just, you know, and enjoying each other's company during duck season. Yeah, I can see where it's a real destination spot. And you're right there in the parking lot too with Max Prairie Wing. So all you got to do, you know, go if you need some gear, go over there and, and swing by the shop you know before you leave town it's um it's really it, it's a it's a cool destination uh going back to call of palooza there was a a very cool uh part of that, that that i got to witness um and that's the 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 custom call build off uh, tell us more about that john yeah when um when we were putting Call of Palooza together the first year, we were trying to think of different events we could have, um, seminars, um, you know, like this year we had a, a painting class by Joe Buker that you could sign up for. And, and the call makers build off just came up as an idea like, hey, the, the way my shop's set up, it's got viewing windows where you can see inside the shop. So wouldn't it be cool if we paired up different call makers um, randomly, um, we selected the members for the teams and had them compete in a build off during that week. And, um, it's kind of like going off some of the cooking shows or whatever. They get, here's your wood that you can use. You got this time limit. You're going to be judged on, you know, sound, uh, uh, dec uh, decorative aspects of it, um, design, you know, different things like that. And each year we've kind of changed up the format and the criteria. So that also keeps everybody on their toes that's in the actual contest. And it, it makes really a pretty good thing to watch, especially when they're doing the, the decorative side. Because, man, some of the guys that are in there are just totally awesome craftsmen and um, artists and it's it's cool to see them do that so uh, i think this year we had four teams four two-man teams each one competed for four hours head-to-head -head with another team and then uh friday or saturday we had the finals with two teams so uh it was it was fun and that's like i said that's probably the biggest um i don't want to say draw to call a palooza but it's definitely one of the bigger events that people come to watch right and one thing i thought was pretty cool about that is that not only are those calls you know beautiful to look at but it has to be a functional call you've got to go out there and do a little routine on it uh as part of the contest oh yeah absolutely that's that's one of my big things is it doesn't matter how good a duck call looks i mean the point of making it is to sound like a duck so uh we 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 judge that pretty pretty hard as well and um we've got different categories set up and then i'll this year i was the the caller so i would operate the call in front of the judges uh, give them kind of not like this one's better than that one, but just tell them how it felt when I blew it. And then they also, after they score them, they have a member that of the actual uh, team use the call. And that's what they do um, outside, which um, that was kind of new this year. So that was kind of cool seeing, seeing the same call used by two different people and, and 
you know, seeing how that worked, I guess, or how each one operated the call. Yeah, yeah. And you were talking about the painting class that Joe gave. Uh, folks, if you don't know who Joe Butcher is, um, it's hard to describe how he, what he can do with the duck call. The, the intricate carvings and painting he does with them are really unbelievable. Yeah, I've been a, I've been a fan of his his calls uh, and especially his painting for a long time. So it was really cool to. Um, I guess he came maybe the first call of Palooza. He didn't do a, any seminars or anything, and then we had COVID and things got kind of screwed up. So uh, we finally got everything aligned where when he came this year, he could do a, a painting class, and I was signed up for it. And I knew better to just because uh, the Friday of it, even though you think you you would have time to do it, uh, just because it's our place, a couple things came up that I had to do during Call of Palooza. wasn't able to go to it, but man, seeing everybody's calls that was in the class and the progression of um, of them learning was a pretty cool deal. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I got a chance to. Well, once again, you've got you've got windows and all these you know the rooms in there, so you can you can take a look at what people are doing. And it was it was pretty cool to watch folks. You know, like say in a in a something like a call, which is which is a small scale. You've got to be you know pretty precise with with what you're doing. And uh, you know, it looks like everybody was was really having a great time. Yeah, and like, like I said, we had a uh, it, it was mixed up of, of call makers. There was a couple of ladies in there that weren't call makers, just wanted to to learn to paint. And then like um, we had two R and T employees actually that were enrolled in it, and and one of them was uh, Emily Hodges, who runs our custom department. Um, she's she paints herself, so um, she said it just it really probably added to her palette of what she could do uh, with a paintbrush. Yeah, yeah. I mean, when you got someone like Joe teaching you it. It, it it's got it's very valuable. He's he's to me he's the best in that field with with decorative calls. It's 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 pretty amazing. Um, is there any plan maybe in the future having a calling contest around Call of Police, John? I know you you know you've already got the wings over the prairie and all that. I just didn't know if there was any any thought about that. Yeah, we've we've uh, I think actually the first year we may have had two or three calling contests and again COVID just kind of killed a lot a lot of things right. and it, you know we didn't have calling contest or anything that year and honestly we just haven't we've just had so many things scheduled but yeah we've talked about doing and uh, we had we'd like to do it a little different than a normal contest and we've uh, played around with some ideas so I think that's something yeah eventually you'll see back at Palooza is a calling competition it may not be exactly what everybody uh, thanks of a calling competition, but it's definitely something we want to try to get back going. Yeah, yeah. It just, it just, you know, there's some really great callers who were there, right? So it just seems like a natural uh, thing to, to uh, that they would compete at, at Call of Palooza. You know, and I got to meet several folks uh, that you know that um, are big names in calling, and some not so big names. So you've got guys coming from all over the guys and gals, both coming from all over the country uh, to attend this event. Uh, okay, it starts. Let's see how how many days is it totaled for? Well, yeah, actually, we started on Tuesday, ended on Saturday, and we've kind of done it that way, I guess, since the second year. Um, not really sure if we're going to continue to do it that way because we've seen that you know not not everybody can take off work for for that long, or uh, some of the events we were having during the week, people wanted to come to, and um, so they kind of had to pick and choose when they were going to come, and so we kind of thought about maybe breaking some of those events up into different times of the year, uh, allowing people, uh, and on the weekends, allowing people to be able to schedule that, and then uh, if you're like me, it's easy to spend all your money in one place, especially with (laughs) four days, so, you know, it'll help spread it out a little bit for that, too, but we'll definitely keep, um, like, the VIP night, which would be probably on a Thursday, and then uh, Friday, Saturday, all that still call a palooza, but we've had this year we added a small batch bash one night, and um, 
we have a, a J. Stevens Owners Group Party uh, that uh, we select from the J. Stevens Owners Group Facebook page, and we just draw names out of there, and there are only 25 get to purchase a ticket to the event. Uh, so those are those are some things that we could probably do at a different time of the year um, and allow people. I think actually doing that, we would not only allow people to use not use their vacation but come on the weekend. I think we would actually see more people on the weekend just because um, they're not having to, to go during the week here to something they want and then, you know, have to be back at work. So I think it could be a, a win-win. Yeah, I agree. I agree. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's tough for folks, you know, to, uh, to, to do things in the middle of the week a lot. And <clears throat> fortunately we, you know, so we got there on Thursday and uh, filmed, you know, those DU nation segments with both you and, and Jimbo, but a lot of folks, you know, just can't really, you know, head off on a Thursday and, uh, and, and get there. So uh, that's a pretty good idea. Yeah, I'm so we're still kind of bouncing that around exactly how we're going to do it, but I th- I think we're going to make make a few adjustments anyway. How many vendors were at Colapalooza this year? I think we had 50, 50 maybe. Um, I know we had 50 spots set up, so um, there might have been, like we had a couple for that were partners of ours from Express Boats or um, Gunner Kennel or somewhere like that. But So I'm guessing there's probably at least, was at least 40 uh you know, true vendors. So that, that was up from last year. I'd like to, I always want to continue to grow it. I'd like to see more people actually attend it besides just us call makers. Uh, so that's something we're kind of looking at is how we can reach other people and let them, let them know about it. Yeah. It, that was pretty cool. Uh, you know, I walked around that little vendor village area right there outside the shop. And if you were looking for a particular call, no matter what it was, duck, goose, you know, it, it was available. You could find you could find what you needed. Yeah, that's um again, that's just kind of been one of our, I guess, visions is um, setting it up like that. And that actually, it kind of came back from dating myself back in the nineties when DU had the the big expo in Memphis. Is right. um, man, there was a lot of call makers there set up like that, and so uh, that was just I always thought that was a, a cool special time. So it's kind of what we we're trying to recreate on a, a much smaller scale and. Um, like I said, we've had, you know, all all the call makers, a lot of call makers have come in, but we've actually had some people that um, this year, we, we had a couple from New York, um, I think actually, uh, no, they said they were from Queens, New York, but uh, they had came just to, because they've seen it, you know, on, on online or been talking to other call makers and they weren't call makers, they were just duck hunters. So it was, that yeah, was pretty cool to, to uh, talk to someone that, you know, they were tickled to death and uh, they've been wanting to come to this event and they're from New York City. <laughs> so <laughs> yeah, right. it's pretty neat, you know. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, outside of, of duck season, I imagine there's not too many folks uh, from outside of Stuttgart come through there. Um, right. So this kind of event like this called Blizzer really gives uh, folks another opportunity to, to, uh, come down to Stuttgart, which I think is a very cool town. It it it's really it's cool to be around towns if you're a duck hunter that have, that have a real duck hunting culture. Yeah, well, it uh, you know that's 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 what it's going to have to have if you want to be around here in the summer because uh, other nights you got to battle mosquitoes <laughs> and everything else. But, <laughs> that's uh, right. You got to be you got to be passionate for it. I mean, yeah, yeah, y'all are right there in the middle of a bunch of farm fields, you know, rice and beans and corn and everything. It's just is right there at the shop because Stuttgart is in the heart of the Arkansas Delta growing area, and it, you know, there's a reason that so many ducks and geese go there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's uh, um, I've grown up here, and and I I love it. Just 
the way it is, you know? Yeah, yeah. What's interesting, I, I used to live in El Campo, Texas, and it, uh, Stuttgart reminds me a lot of El Campo. It was a big, uh, it was definitely years ago, a big rice growing area. And uh, of course, the Texas rice base has really mostly shifted to Arkansas. But uh, it's, it's cool that uh, in El Campo and, and Stuttgart, that y'all both have the same uh, high school mascot, the rice birds. And I thought oh, that really? was pretty, I didn't yeah. know that. <laughs> That's only the place I've ever seen the rice bird as a mascot Probably at Stuttgart. Does. So it, uh, yeah. uh, the, the, those places with, with both with big time waterfowling cultures. Um, um, are really similar. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's neat. I learn something every day. Stay tuned to the Ducks Unlimited podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, after these messages. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why ProPlan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com. changes coming up for next year um you know we're always trying to add events and do things different um, and we rely a lot heavily on the feedback we get we send out surveys to people after that um, i know we're gonna we always change the call makers build off up we're um our duck blind breakfast cook-off is something that we added last year that's really become popular and that's again kind of play off some of the cooking shows is that you got we got a got two-man teams and uh, i think there was six or eight of them and it's over two days they have to cook on a loco griddle like you do in the duck blind and we fill up a, a blind bag full of certain ingredients and give it to each team member and they have to you know use that to to make their duck blind breakfast and that's came become a pretty cool event so you know i'm sure that's gonna that's gonna grow and we're gonna have to change how we do some things with it but um Right now, that's it. You know, that's it. We got a few things on the board, like you said, like add maybe a calling contest and um, taking away some of the days so that I think we get a little more bang for our buck time-wise, you know, for Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Um, but really, that's just – we're trying to focus as much as we can on just getting that message out there and, and getting more um, traffic through here just uh, to expose them to the, the craft and also um, – you know, for our vendors as well. Right, right. Yeah, and the, I, I was really, I was fascinated by that cook-off. I was, uh, I was watching it on on Friday, and it, it reminded me of Chopped. Right, it was a similar theme. Right, yeah. you get, you've got a certain amount of ingredients and time to work with, and you right. got to create a duck blind breakfast. I mean, I, the, the premise of it is is awesome. Yeah, I thought that was um, actually Jim Ronquist and Blake Fisher had the idea after somewhere they were traveling, uh, filming R and TV, and they. Hey, just kind of everywhere they were going, I think in Missouri somewhere, they were, whoever they hunted with them, you know, one day, the next day, they were always having breakfast and um, they got to say, well, I like this better than that. And so then they just started thinking, what if we had like a cook-off? And uh, it really turned into be a pretty cool event. Yeah, I've had every kind of duck blind breakfast I think there is from, uh, you know, honey buns to really elaborate stuff within blinds that have stoves and everything in them, you know, bacon and eggs and, and toast and everything else. So it, it, it really, the breakfast is, is part of, of the duck hunting experience. 
Yeah, there's no doubt. That's uh, that's one thing that's cool about duck hunting and waterfowl hunting in general is just all the different parts or, you know, that it's kind of makes up the duck hunting culture or, or, you know, the fabric of the duck hunting culture. I mean, from breakfast to calls, to, like you're saying, decoys, people that make decoys. I mean, there's so many different aspects that, uh, to me, that makes waterfowl and enjoying. So it's, um, it's, a, it's a cool sport. Yeah, it is. There's no other hunting sport like it. You think about big game, uh, you know, deer hunting, right? Well, there's not, you know, there, there's calls and decoys and everything like that, but there's not really, uh, you know, a custom deer call culture or anything like that built around it. So it, it makes waterfowling unique. Yeah, and duck hunting is such a social sport too. I think that's another oh, aspect yeah. of it, you know. That, that's very true. I, I tell folks all the time, that's what really draw really drew me into it as a kid was the fact that you didn't have to sit there and be quiet all the time and all this and you could really have camaraderie in the blind and and hunt with other folks like-minded people and it really made it really attractive to me that i just man sitting on a deer stand waiting by yourself it's not appealing (laughs) (laughs) you know yeah, uh, I understand. Yeah, and, and and calling it too is another big part of it. You know, uh, being able to call to those ducks, see them react, uh, bring them in. I mean, that, that's an aspect of it that makes it a lot of fun. Yeah, and that's probably. I mean, there's so many different aspects that uh, people enjoy, whether they're a, a marksman or or you know whatever. Uh, calling to me is is one of the biggest draws to to duck hunting, and there's a lot of times I let ducks come in and out. I just, I feel like you got to totally fool them before you, you shoot at them. You know, and that's just, everybody does, <laughs> it, right. does it different. And that's, that's just, uh, that's what I think we get the most enjoyment out of. Oh, I love, you know, sometimes just, yeah, just let groups of ducks go, especially big groups, you know, just you know, call them, fool them and let them go. Right. You know, you don't have to, you don't have to harvest the game to really enjoy the experience. And that's another great aspect of waterfowling that, that a lot of people enjoy. But yeah, and you know, that's, uh, man, just the, I guess that's kind of goes back to Colin Palooza. You know, here's kind of got that same mindset that's um, setting up his vendors. And so when you, when you do come here, you get to not only as a call maker or a collector, man, you get to learn a lot and you get to, you get to talk to a lot of different people about the stuff that we all enjoy so much. And I think that's, I think to me, that's one of the things that makes Colin Palooza so special is that even though it's kind of a small niche, everybody here is so passionate about that part of it, whether it's making or using them or whatever. Um, that's why it's, I, you know, I, re- I just want to really try to get that message out there to people that maybe are interested in it or don't really know about it because it's a great place to expose people to that. Because you have so many different sources from, you know, different parts of the country here in this one spot. Oh, that's right. I was walking around the parking lot just uh, fascinated by all the different license plates from the different states. There were people that had come in from all over the country to the event. So it really adds that flavor to you. So you've got not just the Southern calling community, but a lot of folks from the Midwest and the North. Yeah. And I'll tell you too, uh, I'm, I'm always hard on us thinking, well, we could have done a little better job promoting it or getting people here doing things. But after um, the, the whole weekend was over, uh, we had one young man that was 13 years old that came here named uh, Tucker Sherard. Sherard, I think so you pronounce his last name. He's from Tennessee. He made um, 
three or four of us little bitty miniature decoys. Um, but he is interested in call collecting. He bought an older call while he was here. And, um, you know, to me, that's what the whole event was about is, is educating and, and getting younger guys, which he knew a little bit about it before he got here. But um, just seeing those younger people getting involved in this sport and hobby, I mean, that's the whole reason we did it. And that, that one that one instance, you know, made everything the whole week worth it to me. Yeah, that that's something I really noticed. A lot, a lot of families were there at Call of Palooza, you know, with their kids, and everybody was enjoying it and having a great time and really introducing these young people to that culture. You know, like I said, it's the future of it. Yeah, and, you know, for the... the uh, there's more probably younger people. Well, there's no doubt there's younger people involved in call making than call collecting, but within call collecting and decoy collecting, uh, the... Uh, the base of it is is you know I'm on the young end of of that base <laughs> so right that's uh, I'm 50 so that you know that says a lot and we just we uh and I don't know I don't know if that's something when you, as you get older you get into or or what but man there's so many cool things out there in history kind of pass it on to the next generation you know um and I like I said I know there's a lot of collectors that get into it when they're older but man it'd be so cool to see you know this parking lot full with um younger people that were interested in collecting. Exactly. Exactly. Do, do y'all have a date a range set for next year yet? We don't. What we try to do is uh, we try to take kind of a, a few weeks off and um, then kind of start meeting back on it, let everything soak in and um, discuss when we are. Uh, more than likely, it's going to be the same week. We've done it for the last two years, the day after, uh, the Tuesday after Memorial Day, but I hate to say that now. And then if we change it, everybody's like, well, you said it was this <laughs> They, you know, so yeah, um, right. That, that's probably it's, that's worked out to be a good time of the year for us. I know you got graduate things going in May, but uh, for us, if we want to have it outside, April it rains and, and March, you never know what you're gonna get. In March, we've had to move the stuff inside from you know weather. So uh, that that time of the year, middle of May to June, is, is probably gonna be about when it's gonna be again. Gotcha, gotcha. And I guess anyone can look up, you know, type in Call of Palooza on a search in the future, and it'll bring it up. Oh, absolutely. And on our website, we have at the in the top left corner, we have a section on Colapalooza. So as we add things to it, um, update stuff, it's all in there. Any of our events are listed in there. Um, merchandise. Um, when we do have like the nightly events or the painting class, all the tickets are listed under that. So anytime you can go to rntcalls.com and click on that Colapalooza. And if there's anything that we have set in stone for next year, have available, it'll be in that um be in that section. So that's a good place to always check. And then also, if you uh, follow any of our social media on Instagram or Facebook, anytime we update or send stuff out, you know, you can you can get it through that too. Excellent. Excellent. I would encourage anyone who's interested in calling, not just calling, but you duck hunting, goose hunting, the, the culture in general, that uh, put, put this on your list. If you don't make it next year, you know, try to get down there at some point to Stuttgart, Arkansas, and and check out Call of Palooza. And, we're, and we, we got some really cool segments coming out on the DU Nation. Uh, series one with with you uh, in your shop and people people can really see your shop and what we're talking about and how cool that place really is and then we've uh, we did one with with uh, Jim Rockwist um, and where you get to really see the other side of Rich and Tone uh, like you said the CNC production and all that that that's on Jimbo's film so um, like I said if if anybody is more interested in Call of Palooza uh, check out Du Nation on YouTube and it. Uh, you can see this stuff firsthand. Man, and we appreciate y'all doing that. And hopefully, man, 
through those two programs and some of the stuff that we're doing. Hopefully we can get that message out there and maybe expose some, some new people to the, the art of call making and collecting. Man, I know you will. It's uh, Like I said, it, it's a very cool event. Call Blizza. Uh, like I said, it should be on everybody's list uh, to check it out. Uh, well, John, thanks so much for being on the DU Podcast again. I mean, you, you, you're you a tremendous guest, and we, we appreciate it very much. Oh, man. Well, anytime I can uh, be on and, and uh, help you guys, I'll be more than happy to. All right. All right. Thanks a lot. Thanks so much for listening to the Ducks Unlimited Podcast and supporting wetlands and waterfowl conservation. Thank you for listening to the DU Podcast, sponsored by Purina Pro Plan, the official performance dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Purina Pro Plan, always advancing. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe to the show and visit ducks.org slash DU Podcast. Opinions expressed by guests do not necessarily reflect those of Ducks Unlimited. Until next time, stay tuned to the Ducks. You and your dog are a team. Fuel is best in the field and in life with Purina Pro Plan Sport. Made for hardworking dogs of all ages, every sport formula starts with real meat as the number one ingredient and is specifically formulated to support strength and stamina. Try it today and see why Pro Plan is the official dog food of Ducks Unlimited. Learn more at ProPlanSport.com.